Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we've seen Amsterdam, which is the new David O. Russell film. Yes. Um, David O. Russell, we were just <laughs> mentioning, has had some controversies in the past. And I said to you before the film started, it's kind of, to me at least, I found it sort of slightly remarkable that his past hasn't come up in the age of cancel culture, quote-unquote. Yes. And you were saying, well, because it's not really been sexist abuse. Well, not, <laughs> no, not only that. I mean, he, you know... Um, all arts industries no. kind of both pride themselves and also kind of make legends of difficult people. And he's right? one of those. So, you know, he's seen as an incredibly difficult person and very neurotic and, you know, someone who's not good with actors and, you know, makes actors feel terrible, like uh, uh, um, George Clooney's uh, spoken about. But... I, I I don't remember seeing anything that is directly due to racism or sexism or homophobia. It's just, or maybe there is, but I haven't heard that. I've just heard, you know, that he screams at people and he treats people badly and, you mm. know, yeah. But that's kind of... I think there was uh, instances in the Lily Tomlin abuse, which there's a video of, because that, that was quite um, infamous... Um, I think he called her cunt, and it was, like, it was specifically kind of sexist abuse. And I was just reading, because he's someone who has a controversy stem on his Wikipedia page, which not everybody does. Um, there was this case from 2011 of um, sexual misdemeanour with his um, 19-year-old transgender niece, it was, which is something that he's kind of admitted but put a different spin on, which I didn't know about. Until I didn't just know now. about that either. Um, yeah, but as you say, he's someone who's who has a reputation for kind of outbursts and that kind of thing on set. But it's always gone along with this thing of where well, he's mercurial and the great art comes out of that. Yeah, but not only is he mercurial, but he's like protecting his artistic vision. Yeah. Where, you know, none which, of which I think justifies bad behaviour, to be honest, right? Mm. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I'm just describing uh, a kind of a discourse within the film industry rather than supporting it. Though, you know, I personally am not into cancelling people like that anyway. Mm. So, um... What about his work? So how how much have you seen? How familiar are you with him? I think and I've seen much, it all. What do you think of it, right? I think I've seen it all. I like it. I haven't thought about it much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I have seen it. And I think my view on it, really, is, you know, he's quirky. He's distinctive. I think you recognise, you know, these films as being his. Um, and I think you do so in terms of tone and in terms of a type of humor that I personally don't find that funny. Right. Uh, um, well, if I mention just, you know, the ones, I think we might even have seen these together. So The Fighter, Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle. I mean, I really liked all of those. Mm -hmm. I just don't remember The Fighter all that well. I remember Silver Linings Playbook probably the best. Mm. I think it's the one I've liked the most. Mm. Um, I wasn't crazy on American Hustle, as you know. Mm. I, I just, I found it quite boring. It's fair to say that all those, all three of those films were really, really big hits. Yeah. This has not been, um, which I was kind of surprised to read just now, although it definitely makes sense. So uh -huh. this costs some 80 to $90 million, and it's made like 13 it said? Something, yeah, it's made yeah. 18 worldwide so far right so i think 12 or 13 in the u.s and which is just nothing and it's a film with a, a ridiculous cast i mean yeah. every scene is introducing another actor who oh, he's in it she's in it yeah. you know 
and I had a very good time throughout. I didn't really know what it was about. Yeah, I didn't beforehand, either. and it it just had this kind of nineteen thirties kind of um, funky, fun, caperish vibe from the trailer. But I didn't really know. I didn't know anything. Yeah, I mean, I assumed it was set in Amsterdam. <clears throat> it's mostly not. It's American. Um, the, the Amsterdam in the story comes from where these three um, main characters, these friends, um, spend. Are free. Yeah, it's where they spend a lot of their their, their time after free. the war, and they're yeah. able to be free. Um, it's based, I don't know how loosely, and it does say at the start of the film... Um, Very loosely. It says most of this kind of happened, it's yes. said, right? So in a funny, kind of fun you know, fun way, it's basically saying, you know, it's we're just we're playing with reality. Um, it's based on the business plot, which is something I'd never heard of, which is a political conspiracy, which happened in 1933, and at the end um, we see an enacted scene of one of the people, a general... Um, who was kind of involved in it, um, speaking to the American people, and Rob De Niro plays the equivalent character in this, although he's not given the same name, um, and he gives the same speech. They they play simultaneously. So there is at least that basis in reality, Mm. but uh, it may not be worth kind of... I mean, well, it's certainly not worth thinking, oh, how realistic is it? It's it's a caper, vaguely based on reality. Yeah, it's a comic caper, vaguely based on reality, with a real message, which I have really ambivalent feelings about in the sense that, of course, I support everything the message says. (laughs) You know, I think uh, Robert De Niro makes that speech and he's great and the speech is great. And I also think, like, it's kind of obvious. Yeah, 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 it is. You know, so... Fascism um, is bad and we shouldn't have it in America. Exactly. And the business interests will just follow money and power and that's all they're interested in. That's all they're interested in. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, kind of... The things that you wake up in the morning fuming about, sad that this is the reality you live in, but that's what it is. I mean, I don't think you discover anything. Um, I think what you do discover is actorly quirks. So, you know, (laughs) the thing that I enjoyed most about this film was not the tone. I was thinking about it in relation to, you know, like Woody Allen, right? Because... I love Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I identify with that sense of humor. I kind of I grew up with it. You know, I grew up in Montreal. I'm not Jewish, but the, I absorbed that type of humor. It speaks to me, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's genuinely witty and funny. And yeah, this kind of humor it's kind of s- s- slides past me. I mean, I get it, but I don't respond to it. Yeah, it kind of, yeah. or I respond to it a little bit, right? So, so it's not, you know the tone or the type of humor that kind of draws my attention. It really is the actors. Yeah. Yeah. And you see them kind of, you know, trying something. I mean, I don't like Christian Bale. I always like at best admire him. Yeah. Cause he is, he's incredibly good. Yeah. But again, he's one of those stars. I don't personally warm to very much, mm-hmm. but he's, he's wonderful in this. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and it's the most fun I've had watching him in ages. Yes. And I don't think he has ever really got enough credit for how good a comic actor he is. Mm-hmm. And he is here. And I don't want to kind of leave people on the thing, say like it's like it's a joke a minute, laugh out loud thing. It is about setting a comic tone, generally speaking. Yeah. It's about ch- chuckle rather than a laugh. Yeah, and it's I'm noticing yeah. the silliness. Of, so for, uh, there's a bit in the film, I laugh more than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I uh, was in, in its vibe much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a bit where... Uh, they kind of escaped from the the the, the um, sort of event they're involved in at the start of the film, and he's gone to his wife's house and he's kind of been separated from his wife and she's keeping him at arm's length and he's hoping to win her back, and he goes to see her and he's kind of he, he's been 
he's, he's in a state. He always looks kind of crazy anyway. I like his hair in this mm. film. Um, and he's got this back brace on, so he's always kind of uh, stooped and in a funny old shape. Um, and she comes around, she sees him, and he's stood in the, at this kind of funny angle going, hey, like, oh, it's me. And I pissed myself. I, la- I was the only person in cinema I laughed at that, but yeah. I thought it was really funny. Because it's just... He, he he just holds himself and looks this way. And I guess like you, you you could say that half of what I found so appealing and charming about him in this film is his look. I mean, mm. I think his look is fantastic and the hair and makeup that's been done to mm. help present him is, I think, a, of great importance to what is likeable about him. But he just sells everything about his character so beautifully and so charmingly. I, I think it's one, interesting because actually I think he's an actor who lacks charm. I think he can play charm, and he does yeah. here, but who lacks it, right? And in a way, that's his strength, because he's not someone who's eager to please, right? Or who's yeah. eager to bring you on side, right? Which I think is what a lot of what charm is about, right? So I think he's playing it, and he kind of lacks it. And I think an actor who would be more naturally charming, you know, like Brad Pitt or something, might have made a bigger success of this. Than you know Christian Bale being maybe better. If you know. I mean, that may be the case, but I I, I sort of fancy saying that um, they would be less suited to it. I think the quirkiness that you mentioned that you, is kind of something that O. Russell's work does have mm. in common throughout. Um, he represents very nicely, um, and he's he's kind of he's quite self-effacing. Yes, um, and I, able- I I love him in it. Yeah, you know, um, but. Uh, I think the value of the film for me lies in actually discovering those things about actors. So, for example, mm. I love seeing Margot Robbie in this. You know, I think she's she's warm and she's open and she's incredibly beautiful and funny, mm-hmm. right? And she does pratfalls and yeah, she's yeah. she's wonderful to see. Also, I love Andrea Rice, Riceboro or Risboro. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think it might be Risboro. Um, but she's cool and beautiful and viperly, right? <laughs> like uh, you know, again, wonderful. I think. Um, and it has, you know, some of my favorite actors, Michael Shannon, who really doesn't get to do much, you know, but it's always a pleasure when he pops up. Yeah. And what is it? Anya Taylor. Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. I mean, whom I loved in that chess television show, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I loved her. I think it was an Emma, the Austin thing. Right. Right. Um, and again, she's very good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so Taylor Swift was a bit of a washout, but she's not bad. I actually thought she was very good. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it, it's doing a bit of a, and this is a spoiler, it's doing a, a bit of a um, psycho thing where she's dead within 10 minutes. Uh, but she had been very convincing and played with the rest, you know, she's playing with at least one actor who is of, you know, much greater sort of experience and, and quality than her um, in Christian Bale. And um, John David Washington, who is his friend and one of the other main characters, I've never... I, we've not seen a lot of him, but we have seen enough of him, I think, to start forming an opinion that I think he's a bit bland, typically. Mm. And there's not a lot in this film that gives me reason to reevaluate that sure. opinion. It's um, true. But I do like him. Um, and I think there's chemistry. I also think there's chemistry um, between... Uh, Mike Myers and Michael Shannon they, they form a little bit of a double act yeah, and it's surprising how well it works yeah and I love seeing Zoe Soldania as well she was wonderful uh, very... Rami Malek as well yeah and Rami Malek was wonderful I mean 
that is the movie. So yeah. if you like those actors, <laughs> and if you love watching actors be loose and try things and, you know, kind of experiment and, you know, this is a wonderful film to just kind of look at. I think it's a film that tries for substance and fails. Yeah. It's very simple substance, as you said. Yeah. And, I mean, I really agree with that. And and like you, um, I kind of think, yeah, I mean, I I agree with the, the messaging, the politics and all that kind of stuff, but it, it's, a, it's fairly bland. Yeah. It's interesting. I would be interested to actually read about the real business plot and see what what the reality of what it's based on, because it's interesting. Basically, the idea of, of the, the plot that is uncovered in Amsterdam is that business interests are seeking to put this general, who is highly respected, in charge of the USA as a dictator. And this is in 1933, same time as Hitler rises to power, and the film is um, explicit about a kind of connection. Mm. These people have, have interests in Germany as well. Mm. Um, so that's that's fascinating to, to hear about. Yeah. Um, and also I has think... relevance um, of, you know, thinking about the attempted Trump. coup... Yeah. Of January 6th, a couple yes. of years ago. Um, I think that was probably the impetus for making it, you know, um, that it spoke to that and showed a history of that, mm. you know, as well as a history of populists riling up of people to get them to fight a war and then cutting them loose without any kind of help or benefit as soon as the war is over. Right, I mean, you know... Yeah, the use of veterans in particular as kind of stooges. Yes. Um, and, and that's also something that is, um, particularly in the US, of great kind of resonance, I think, because the, the, the veterans are given a really rough ride, America, and they're not taken care of at all. And that's saying that, you know, particularly, I think, since the Vietnam War, because that, there was conscription involved in the Vietnam War. So yes. there's an added layer there of... You know, I wasn't even, I didn't choose to do this, and now you're treating me like shit after. Yeah. So there's there's a long kind of history of all those um, homeless people begging with one yeah. arm, you know, yeah. after the Vietnam War, and of course you see antecedents here, you know, in the First World War. Yeah. You know, so uh, also yeah. coming out as drug addicts or you know limbless and drug addicted. So kind of, I suppose that resonated a bit, um, but again. You know, kind of not enough. I really wasn't emotionally involved with it beyond. Like, well, I was emotionally involved with the with the friendship, which is where the film ultimately ends up. And I think I think the film actually if it, it starts going to kind of Casablanca place at the end mm. with the leaving and and um, and and the breakup because mm. it's a break it's a breakup of Christian Bale with Margot Robbie and John David Washington because they go off and we'll be friends and we'll see each other again in the future. But it's a breakup at this point. They're going off on a boat. Um, and in the in the greater context of an uh, impending kind of fascist world, you know, where it's obviously Casablanca is said. I, I think even the titles that feels like yeah, Casablanca is the place, and Amsterdam is the place. And there's 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 some. It feels like it is in just the most vague way building upon or referring to Casablanca. Sure. There. Um, but I and I, th- and I found it really beautiful at the end, and I, I was moved when when they left. And yeah, I wasn't. I mean, I wanted to be, you know, because I think there is. If, you know, there's a theme that could be worth exploring and could get you emotionally involved, it is that of love, yeah, which it does explore, the love between the couple, you know, the question of choice versus need, Mm -hmm. yes, um, which I think the film muddles up because in a way what brings the friendship group together is kind of need, 
Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I think that this, those are interesting areas that the film could have developed yeah, emotionally, but to me, it, it didn't. Mm. You know, I wasn't moved by I wasn't. I wasn't moved by any of it. I mean, uh, as I said, just, you know, you chuckle along, <laughs> right? Um, it is, it is uh, entertaining. It's a pleasant way to spend, you know, two and a quarter hours. Yeah, so you don't feel like you've wasted your time. You're not offended by anything. It is kind of, you know, mildly amusing. It is a real pleasure to see those actors. But, and all of that's not nothing. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, um, I mean, I, I definitely then liked it more than you did, mm. um, uh, because I, while I totally get where you're going with that, I just felt much more towards it. Sure. Um, so, what moved you then? Just, just following their friendship, I think I found it really beautiful, right? And and at the end, that it did move me when they when they split up, and and the reasons that he has for staying, and the you know, the voiceover he says, "I'm staying because I want to fight for a country where my friends can return to." But I, th- I thought that was a muck-up as well, that ending, actually. Yeah. Yes, because it it gives a kind... Well, the implication is, you know, that uh, the other... You know, the black guy didn't stay, you know, to also fight for the country he believes in, right? Whereas, of course, you know, the reality, which I think the film could have underlined better, you know... I mean, I suppose it's implicit, but is it implicit? I'm not sure. It's very different for a white man to be with a black woman in New York, yeah, yeah, than for a black man to be with a white woman in New York in you know nineteen thirty. Yeah. yeah. So, I, well, the film is basically saying they have to leave for their own safety. I mean, I think it's explicit about. I that. know, but then it kind of feels off that what you see is this new interracial couple, yeah, that actually stays. Yeah, Christian Bale, and that's the, given a moral weight to staying. Yeah, that the staying is a moral decision to yeah. fight for a better future. I mean, you know. Yeah, I get I mean, that. Uh, so, so the other thing that moved me was just before then when they've foiled this plot, basically, and it's all kicking off. And um, Margot Robbie's brother, which is the Rami Malek character, has been revealed to have been part of this plot and wanting this kind of great new racist world where we can sterilize all the black people mm. and be be Nazis, basically. Like the symbol is Nazi symbol and all this, and it's all going to get very nasty. But what happens is Margot Robbie declares her love for John David Washington and kisses him. And then it starts off this voiceover by Christian Bale talking about this is how you win. It's love. You, know, mm. you have love. And, and, yes, I and, like that too. Yeah, I mean, I um, I think that there's also room to say that that is on the simple, boring, banal side. But I found it moving and genuine. I just wish it had been dramatised rather than told in voiceover because... You know, I did like that line where he says that, you know, something like kindness has to be fought for, right? You just can't stand back when, well, kind of Mm. cruelty, yeah, wins or something that kindness has to be fought for. And that was another way of kind of talking about love, yeah? Yeah. And I like that it, it, it focused on kindness rather than love, which seems more amorphous and can be so many different Mm. types of things, right? So I liked all of that, but at the same time, I did wish. Why not dramatize this better? Why yeah. not show this better? I mean, we're being told this. And actually, you know, you also see it in what people do, but it's not highlighted. And I think there should be more conflicting emotions mm. about those choices, right, than you see. So, you know, like, it's it's not... I think the story wasn't well told. I think it's an overwritten film. 
Um, so the the credit comes up at the end, written and directed by David O. Russell, and you do, I think, feel that another set of eyes on the script kind of thing might have kind of strained it because it feels a little bit lost in its own plot. I mean, the plot is convoluted. We're talking about it's it's a flop, and I was saying I can understand why, and I think that is one of the reasons why. I think two and a quarter hour runtime will turn people off. I think the, the convolutions of the plot would turn people off. I think probably they don't have an amazing idea of how to market it because certainly from the advertising, we didn't have a great idea of what it was. Hmm. Um, although it certainly didn't turn us off, but it didn't explain what it was. Um, I can kind of understand where that's all sort of falling down. And then the fact that the plot... It, it's fun to have this caperish you know, plot full of detail and these three people getting kind of dumped in the middle of it and trying to fling their way through. The, it feels... I was thinking about The Big Lebowski hmm. a lot as well because that definitely has a feel of kind of some chumps working their way through. It's not, they're not quite chumps in this. But that was laugh-out funny and incredibly charming, you know. Um, it felt loose, but it wasn't. Yeah. And actually, it, it, it had rhythm and it had pace. And the thing about this narrative is that it doesn't. You know, so there's never a sense of rhythm to the thing, you know, where a scene might be more extended, you know, and then it kind of picks up. And yeah, then I know kind what you of, mean. You know, like, it there just seemed to meander all over the place, really. No, I wouldn't say meander. I think it's got a great sense of pace. It's constantly moving forward and fizzing along. Rhythm, I would give you. I think that is something, you know, and it's maybe a little hard to define exactly what I mean by that. But, um, but I, I, I know what you mean and I agree with you. Um, but I don't think it ever stops moving, and it was, I was constantly interested to see no, where no, it I, would go. And... It is always moving, and I suppose maybe I'm expressing myself. Yeah, you know. But if you want to draw people in, there are areas where you want to lower a slower pace, but you know, moments where you want to pick up the speed, right? And you can work that all within the same tone. Whereas, you know, I think here, yeah, everything was always moving from one thing to another, but there were no rhythms established, and there was no differentiation in pace to kind of bring in. You know, or or to even like shape the material so that you know some of it is funny and kind of some of it grabs you emotionally while still being slightly funny or whatever. Yeah, like I I just thought it meandered. Sure, but in terms in terms of the convolutions of the plot, um, I mean, I definitely think it would be true to say that everything is explained at some point. There's always a bit of dialogue that has explained who this character is and why we need to see him, but. It's very easy to miss them because there is such a lot of dialogue and some of those scenes explaining this, that and the other um, plot development are rapid. And so it's it's a plot that, while I think it ultimately makes sense, it's hard to keep track of. And towards the end, when you get to the kind of climactic scene at the, at the reunion, the veterans reunion, where it's all going to happen... Um, I'm thinking, like, I'm not sure I've followed much of this. I'm, I'm, but oh. I was enjoying it all. I'm just thinking, wow, I really don't know quite... No, I actually never <laughs> felt that way. I, th- I agree with your earlier assessment that it was overwritten. That actually, I always felt I knew exactly who everyone was, you know, and how they related, uh, and so on. I just kind of wondered if all of those things were, like, absolutely necessary, you know. I mean, I think there are entire scenes that I thought kind of were unnecessary, you know, yeah. I, I think I think they're necessary insofar as I what I like is the constant development of or introduction of a new character or a new place or something. You know, I like the constant um, novelty. Okay. Yeah, there's involving novelty that everything there's something they're going somewhere new, they're meeting someone new, or some new development has mm. has happened. I I really like that about it. So I was getting lost in the plot, but I liked it all. Uh well, 
I mean, I suppose it could have worked. It didn't quite with me. Yeah. Um, also, I didn't think any of the jokes were funny enough. Well, yeah, I mean, like they you, were mildly funny, but they weren't. You're a big funny. laugher, and you weren't very much in this, and I found it much more funny than you did. I laughed. Yeah. You laughed, but it's, you know, I didn't feel it was driving you crazy with laughter either. No, but then I didn't know it was whether it was supposed to. I mean, I think it is this kind of general comic tone. I didn't know, I don't think, that it was supposed to be a comedy. I didn't know anything. I, I didn't either. Um, so it was, it we was blind. a kind of pleasant surprise to find that it was making me laugh and it was um, trying to. Well, you know, I don't want to give the impression because I said it was a pleasant way of spending like two and a half hours, but also I just didn't think it was very good, really. Uh, so It's a little too loose. It's funny, early on I was, I was also thinking about Wes Anderson, and I think that's something that, in a funny way, I have always... Um, I think it's because of I Heart Huckabees. And I, I think it's... I don't remember I Heart Huckabees all that well. Mm. But I think it's because it's called I Heart Huckabees, and it's got Jason Schwartzman, and it... Is is a bit kind of fun and existential. I was always like, "Is that a, is that a Wes Anderson film?" Mm. And of oh, course, God, it's I not. Never saw it. And yeah. so, yeah. Um, so it's always something that's just like in being. And no one, no one else should agree with this. It's just something that's always been in the back of my mind. It's like, oh, Wes Anderson is somehow connected to David O. Russell. No, but I, think, I think with Wes Anderson, you get this feeling that he's like so kind and gentle, and yeah. you know, like his films are like a little pillars of love, really. Whereas, like, there's a kind of a bitter, well, <laughs> nasty edge to this meandering humour in David or Russell. Well, at the start uh, of this film, certainly the first kind of 10-15 minutes, I was really thinking of comparison with Wes Anderson because there was definitely... There was there was something about the style and... It's partly the visual style because it has this 1930s setting and everyone is a little bit quirky, but particularly Christian Bale in his look, you know. Um, and in his look and his performance, it um, kind of kind of sell some of that and I so I, I, I kind of thought this is like Wes Anderson but a bit harsher like he wouldn't be doing an autopsy or if he was he wouldn't be doing it like this and you would see him, and, you know so like yeah, there's definitely a harsher edge to it but I felt like there's some of that charm going on here and it, and it, that's not saying that um, I was comparing the rest of the film to but I really felt it at the start fun, in, in a funny sort of way and I really liked it you know I really liked it felt bouncy and quirky and novel and really like being in this world I think with Wes Anderson and some people hate him I don't know why you know but if you let him you get really emotionally involved as well you know Uh, and it's it's extremely stylized yeah Uh, in in a way that this doesn't go far enough you know so I think in his last film where you have um, what's his name you know, who was in the Luca Guadagino film, oh, um, the teen heartthrob, um, yeah, who the, was in Dune. And, that twink. Was. Yes, what's his name? <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. You know, where he was playing like a revolutionary in 68 Paris, and, you yeah. know, and he had the beard and the hair, and yeah, it was all about like all those externals. It was so extremely stylized, right? Mm. And I suppose that's one of the things that people dislike about, you know, Wes Anderson. Yeah, but he, he, it went all the way. And I love that in Wes Anderson, you know. Mm. Uh, so, and I think it's much gentler and much more, which maybe some people see as a lack of emotional complexity, that things are always nice and loose and, you know, kind of, there's a containment there. Whereas, like, you know, this one goes on tangents. <laughs> yeah, I really uh, like those tangents. And I was more emotionally invested than you were, for sure, so that worked for me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, maybe it's a so personal I, thing. Yeah, I, I, I think there's definitely a taste issue here. I just, I, I, 
I got in the zone with this film. Yeah, I, um, I, and I liked well, it. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't. I mean, as I said, I found it a pleasant way to spend two and a half hours, but, you know, I also think it's not very good, so... Um, it could definitely be better. I mean, I'll agree with you on that. It could be more tightly plotted, it could be emotionally richer and deeper. Um, it could be more politically sophisticated instead yes. of banal. I so mean, it so there's a lot of problems. And it could actually, even even though I think it's there's some real splendour to the visuals, and most, they mostly come through costume, hair, makeup, sets, mm-hmm. lights. Like, that, that, all of that is really wonderful. The way, the way it's shot... It's funny, again, this is something I was thinking early on, is I, I love all of these shots. I love seeing these two people in the frame together, talking to each other. I like the way it's been shot. I, mm-hmm. I like the fact that you know he'll just he'll plot the camera low on the ground to get this. It just looks more dramatic. It looks more mm-hmm. interesting, right? Like Not everyone would do that, right? Sure. It's just, so the, the, it, there, there is some real flair going on early on I, that I think calms down for much of the film. Mm. Um, and I maybe would have liked more of it, although you might conversely say that two and a quarter hours of it would be fucking hell. You know, mm. so there is that. Um, but I do think that... I, I do think that, essentially, visually, it could have been better directed to 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 show it off better. Because there is such beauty and expense going into the look. But he's, he's a real director. Like... Oh, yeah. You know... Um, I mean, there were things like shifts in focus that were always, like, interesting or witty. You know, the camera placement was always interesting. Mm. You know, a lot of, like, you know, shots from below, like, kind of with people, yeah, kind of looking up. And again, always purposeful, always, you know, for effect. So I think, you know... And I was thinking, actually, this is so much better than Smile because we talked about the camera work in Smile. (laughs) And and I'd said, like, I, I like this, that, and the other about it. But I think one of the things that that kind of camera work does is also sort of... Um, flatter the audience into thinking they're smart for liking it. Actually, you think here the camera work is not nearly as careful in the way that it is in Smile, in that kind of planned, prepared thing, but it's so much better. It's doing so much more. It's getting so much more effect. That's right. It is. Um, it has much more purpose. Yeah. So, you know, he's 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 always somebody who's interesting to watch, but I didn't think much of the film. That's funny, yeah. I, I, I really liked it. Um I did really like it more yeah. than I expected to because I hadn't liked American Hustle and I hadn't been interested in Joy though that's not to say I wouldn't like it um, but I, I think I think David O. Russell's films are something that I've I guess always felt kind of cool about the, um, they are well I think they're emotionally detached yeah yeah that they don't involve you emotionally and I think that's a problem yeah, you know, and I think that's a problem that he's overcome sometimes. Like, you know, definitely in Silver Linings Playbook, mm-hmm. he did, um, but he tends not to be too successful in that department. Mm. So, and I think that's a, a failure or a lack in him as a director. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyway, but anyway. T- I, still, I would I would say it's worth the watch. All right. Know? Well, actually, I would say it's worth the watch. I'm just not going to rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it was a pleasant way of spending two and a half hours, but I wouldn't spend another two and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Eavesdrop Movies. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.